Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you've had a wonderful time of celebration with your family and that you found some moments where you've had rest, uh, wonderful maybe reflections, and just rejuvenated yourself for what is to come. I'm believing that this is going to be a year where we engage in uh, an adventure with God and we are getting excited about what he's going to be doing in us, with us, and through us. And that we can continue to take the journey that we began last year together. I want to begin this year by concluding the message we began last year on our value regarding worship. And the value says, worship is our privilege. And it reads, we are a church that has a voice and is unashamed to raise it in honor of God. Our worship is heartfelt, real, and passionate with a prophetic edge. I'll read it again. We are a church that has a voice and is unashamed to raise it in honor of God. Our worship is heartfelt, real, and passionate with a prophetic edge. In the first half of the message, we established that Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit and is adopted by Joseph. And just as he is adopted, we also have been adopted by God, our Father. Joseph is of the line of David, and the word David means beloved, and that's really an important word that we really established that we are beloved of God. And so David, uh, the, the word means beloved. Jesus, who is called the son of David, um, is also named beloved in Matthew 2 uh, when he comes up out of the water from his baptism and the father sort of enunciates and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this also happened on the Mount of Transfiguration when he's sharing this very special moment with the disciples and they have this uh, manifestation of Moses and Elijah. And of course, they are so excited. But again, the voice of God speaks saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and that they should hear him. So we know that David uh, is the beloved. Jesus is called the son of David and it's established in Matthew as the lineage because again, he's adopted by Joseph, who's of the line of David. And that they are both called beloved. What is also good that we establish that Jesus called the beloved son performs the ultimate act of worship. And this is where we begin today. We want to continue to discuss and to share on that. Uh, worship, um, we are told here that when Jesus uh, uh, performed this act, it was establishing something that was to come and now represents us today. And in John 4, verse 23 and 24, it actually says that we are going to be worshipping in spirit and in truth. And it reads, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. It then says, God is a spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So this again is uh, declaring what is to come. 
And we see here that this prophecy is fulfilled as established in Luke 22, verse 41 and 43. And it says, this is talking about Jesus now, um, who is preparing himself in the garden, praying before his crucifixion. And he says here, um, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, that he's talking about his disciples, and knelt down and prayed. Verse 42, he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, and an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So this was Jesus about to go into this now uh, amazing transaction of worship, which was the ultimate sacrifice. And we want to continue to understand that those two are inseparably linked to worship that worship and sacrifice are synonymous in God's kingdom. And we see here that because Jesus went to the cross, died, gave up himself, and was raised again so that we can now have new life, so that we can now be born again and made alive in our spirit, we are now uh, partaking of this ultimate an act of worship that he performed so that we can join him to be able to fulfill this word that says we are to worship God in spirit and in truth because this is whom God is seeking. What this lets us know is that when Adam and Eve sinned, we lost this capacity to worship in spirit and in truth. And so Jesus has restored that and has restored it by becoming not only the son of David, the beloved, but also establishing himself as the beloved of the father and also sacrificing himself in the ultimate act of worship so that we can now fulfill and draw near to God's desire by being able to worship in spirit and in truth, because now we have been made anew. In fact, Philippians 3 and verse 3 says, For we are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 again really now highlights and establishes who we are. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? So Jesus died rose again so that now the comforter, the Holy Spirit, can dwell in us because our spirit has been made alive to him. And he says that, do you not know that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have received as a gift? And this is the amplified version. And he says, from God, and that you are now not your own. You are not your own property. You were bought with a price. This is the work of Christ, the, the price he paid. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. And this is what he accomplished for us in his ultimate act of worship. And he says, so then honor and glorify God with your body. Why? Because this body is the temple of the living God. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2, he says, Therefore become imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well. Beloved children, can you hear that? We now are also 
beloved children. Imitate their father. This is what they do. And walk continually in love, that is, value one another. Practice empathy and compassion and selfishly seeking the best for others. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us. An offering, a sacrifice of God slain for you so that it, it became a sweet fragrance. That last phrase there, a sweet fragrance, seals this fact that our sacrificial offering of ourselves to God is a sweet-smelling fragrance to him, which goes back to the Old Testament, when in the temple they would burn incense, they would offer the lambs and so on unto God, and God would consume it as a sweet-smelling fragrance. Now, we know something about smells, that if you don't wash and keep yourself clean, those smells that you, uh, you ooze and you give off are not very good. In fact, we call it body odor. And so everything about what we do, we eat and so on, and it impacts the way we smell because it filters through our pores. So whatever we consume becomes a part of us and also impacts what we emit. So what we're told here and understand is that if our bodies are the temple of God, they are the zone of worship. It's that, the Bible tells us that God takes his abode in us and we are his temple. And therefore, whatever we offer has to be holy. It has to be dedicated and submitted to him. And so Ephesians 5 and verse 2 says, he says, Jesus loved us and offered himself for us as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This is what it's saying. So when we worship and we give our ultimate sacrifice to God, we become a pleasing aroma. God inhales and thinks, wow, that smells good. That worship is wonderful. Why? Because our life as a temple is so ordered, is so holy. It is so set apart that God finds it a pleasurable encounter, that he dwells in us and every worship we emit, not only does it go up to him, but it, it, it fills his nostrils with a wonderful odor of sweet smelling savor of righteousness, of the, the, the holiness of God. And he continues then to celebrate us as his beloved. We understand that when we look in, to, to what God is saying of us, that we then, as new creations, as the temple of the living God, have to understand that we have to take care of this temple. It matters what you do with your body. A lot of the times we start the new year with a resolution, with new goals. I wonder if you can set the goals for your temple. The goals for this body, this vessel that is, is designed to give God glory. This vessel that is designed to host the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Have you ever had a guest visiting, a very special guest, and they're going to stay a few days? One of the things that you often do, you think about where they're going to stay. 
What kind of impact is the environment going to have on them? And often for us, we know in our home, we love to really create a very special atmosphere, nice clean sheets, wonderful colors of uh, bed linen and, and duvets and beautiful pillars. And you put together something beautiful so that when they enter into the house, not only is it clean, there's perhaps some scents or incense going up and some flowers or whatever it is, that it smells great as they come in, that already they have a wonderful experience from the moment they come through the door. I wonder what God experiences every time he is embracing what we are presenting as a temple. Is it that sweet smelling savor? Is it that vessel that has been so well taken care of that it truly represents what Jesus Christ died for and gives us the privilege to offer worship to God? And we know that when we make these goals, when we present our bodies as living sacrifices, God is able to come in and do something wonderful with our worship. Our very walk is a walk of worship. Why? Because again, we're oozing this wonderful fragrance. Our very uh, words, everything that we express is an act of worship. Why? Because we walk in the excellence of the power of the grace and anointing of God as we are set apart as a holy vessel unto God. You are holy. In Isaiah verse chapter 6, when the, 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 uh, the, the vision is given, of the Lord filling the temple. Isaiah actually says he saw different angels filling the temple and as they embraced the atmosphere, they were crying, holy, 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 as the train of God filled the temple, Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah saw himself and says, oh my goodness, I need to clean up. I need to, to, to put myself in a correct position. And he said, woe is me. I'm not in the right place. Maybe you need to get yourself in that right place so that your worship can be what it's supposed to be unto God. And when it is, it has power. It has authority. We talked about Judges 20 and verse 18, where we, we had this question about the Israelites going into battle and they went and asked God, who or shall they put in, in front? Who shall go first? And we established, they were saying, uh, should it be the, the, against the tribe of Benjamin? And the Lord said, let Judah go first. The question is asked again in another passage in first Judges 1, verse 1 and 2. Same things asked when they were going to fight against the Canaanites. Who should we put first? And God said, let Judah go first. And we established that Judah means praise. And so what we're establishing here is that our praise and worship is always what we give to God first. We always allow our praise and worship to go before him. Why? Because the praise and our worship not only does it allow us to enter into his gates, but it also gives us authority with God. So in other words, when we praise him, we saw that for Jehoshaphat, who experienced the battle in Chronicles, the Bible tells us that in Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles 20, that Jehoshaphat defeats the Moabites by allowing the worship team to go ahead. You see, our vessel, the way we fight, when David was alive, he physically fought battles against our enemies. Now, because we have been made alive in spirit, 
we now worship in spirit and God fights on our behalf. And so what we're establishing now is that by trusting in God and allowing him, our worship and our praise to go first, we're able to take down our enemies through the power of what God does with our worship. That while you are praising, while you are giving him glory, while you are living righteous and holy and your temple is this sweet aroma, God goes out and he fights on your behalf because why? You are his beloved. And everything about you represents him. He loves you as a father. Hallelujah. And what it then means is, is that in doing so, we can use our full expression. So what is this praise? We established that we can praise without worship. But we cannot worship without praise. You see, worship a praise in his expression of our worship. So everything we do reflects and gives glory to God so that we can always be worshipping him. But it's only when we allow ourselves to engage in the fullness. The Bible tells us to worship the Lord God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And let's look at that. Psalms 150 verse 1 to 6. Praise the Lord, it says. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of a trumpet. This is music now. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him, it tells, with the timbrel and the dance. It's time for some of you to start dancing and giving God glory. Praise him with the strings and the pipes. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals and praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We can use every part of our being to praise God. Have you ever celebrated watching somebody win a football match or a boxing or a championship and you see how your arms, your legs, you go up and people dancing, you know, singing songs through the street when the European Cup was going on? Why? Because they were worshipping. They were praising their teams and celebrating. I think we're in a position where our God deserves praise. He deserves worship. Why? Because he is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And we establish that we we legally owe him that worship because we are his, designed beautifully and creatively made as a new creation. We worship by raising our hands. Here we see in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, I desire then that every place, in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands. What happens when we lift our hands? It's like a child you ever seen a child wanting to be picked up? What they do, they lift up their hands. Pick me up, mommy. Pick me up, daddy. When we lift our hands, we're saying, Lord, lift us up. Raise me up to another level in you. Maybe it's time for you to lift your hands in worship. You can do that right now. Maybe it's time to praise him in the dance. Psalms 149 verse 3. You praise him in your dance and get your jig on and let the glory of God manifest in your place. David rejoiced when the Ark of the Covenant came home so much so that he was all disheveled with his clothes, but he danced before the Lord. It's dancing time, people. This year, we want to begin with a dance. We want to begin with our hands lifted in praise and worship, declaring the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Worship is vocal. Revelations 5 and verse 9 says they sing a new song unto the Lord. 
Every time we experience his goodness, we should give him glory and praise. I love the passion that David expressed everything about. He says in Psalms 26 verse 8, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Psalms 84 verse 10, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I wonder if that's what it feels like for you. How well do you love your temple? How well do you value your temple? May this be a year where we're saying, Lord, I'm dedicating everything about myself to you. And I want this temple to be your home. And with every strength I have, with every breath I take, with every step I make, I want to give you worship because you are worthy of the glory, worthy of the power and the praise. And I know that God as a temple worshiping you in spirit and in truth, that it will be a sweet smelling savor unto you. If we could be that church, watch how the presence of God will show up. He'll meet you in your bedroom, in your closet. He'll meet you in your car. Sometimes I've been in the middle of the road and I'm feeling the presence of God. I just got to give him worship. God will meet you where you are. Anywhere you are is a place for worship. Why? Because the temple of God goes with you. You are the temple. I pray today that you understand this, that you are a walking, living, animated, powerfully anointed, worshipping temple of the living God. And when you enter into a room, you are a complete offense to the kingdom of darkness every single day because you are the temple of the living God. Be the ultimate worshiper. May we be a church where his presence is so strong that the glory of God rests with us. If you don't know him today and you need to understand what it's like to experience what it is to worship in spirit and in truth, you simply have to give your life to Jesus by praying this prayer. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice you made for your ultimate act of worship, for dying for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And make me a temple of the living God. If you prayed that prayer, you have given your life to Jesus. And you have now become a temple of the living God. You can worship him in spirit and in truth. I pray that all of us today will understand the power of who we are. And that every one of us that has breath will lift our hands, will lift our eyes and our voice and worship the Lord. May God bless you today. May we begin the new year strong and end this year a stronger worshiper than you began. Set your goals and together we will worship him in spirit and in truth.